Welcome to Cat Chat. Welcome to Cat Chat, Catalonia Today magazine's podcast. Catalonia Today is a magazine in English published by El Pun Abui Media Group in Catalonia. With me, Neil Stokes, is the editor of the magazine, Marcella Tavor. How are you? I'm great. Thank And you. One of the members of the team, Barney Griffiths. How are you today, Barney? Very well, Neil. Thank you. Well, it's been a while since us three have been together. In fact, it's been a while since we've done... We managed to squeeze out a podcast uh, about six weeks ago with Mikel Berga and me, Marcella and Mikel. And then we didn't get one done last week, uh, last month. But we managed to get the three of us together now. Am I supposed to speak as much as Mikel? No. Okay, because that's impossible. <laughs> It is not only is it impossible, but it's, I mean, can uh, you imagine me with Mikel and Neil? I like, know I could I, barely say anything. I, 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 when he, when Neil just said that you were on the last pod podcast, I was questioning that. I was mm. thinking, I don't remember Marcel. <laughs> well, I was, but I actually weren't. Bless him. Bless, bless him. But it's good to have Mikel. Just you joking. Can, he's always learn things. Of so. course, you always no. learn things. Uh, he's always welcome on this podcast. But today, there's us three. This is the May podcast, so we're going to look at the May issue of the magazine look ahead to the June issue as well. But before we do that, let me remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at catchatpodcast, at catchatpodcast is the name of the account. So have a look at that if you're a Twitter user. And if you want to email us, you can send an email to podcast at cataloniatoday.cat, podcast at cataloniatoday.cat. Anyway, May, Marcella, it's Time for flowers in Girona. I thought we could start a little bit with that. Fill us in a little bit about what Temps de Flores is. Yeah, it's really worth uh, mentioning this uh, because it's one of the biggest events uh, of the year in Girona, Temps de Flores, Girona's annual spring festival. Well, this year it's going to be a, a bit different from uh, other years. If you talk to the organizers, what they, what they uh, tell you is that it's going to be very yellow. Plaza. Oh, is that because of the political prisoners thing? Exactly. Mm. So Plaza del V, Carrer Ciutadans, the balconies on Carrer Ciutadans, they, uh, they said they would be decorated with the yellow flowers. And not just um, uh, these two places, but um, I think uh, there will be lots of flower decorations uh, in yellow all around the, the city. Let us just explain, I think, in case there's anybody listening who's been living under a rock for the last six months or so that yellow has become the symbolic sort of colour showing solidarity with Catalan officials who are currently in detention, in custody, awaiting trial for their, uh, for the, their part in the push for independence. And uh, we saw in San Jordi, didn't we, that there was a lot of yellow roses around. People um, took that option as well to show their solidarity with the political prisoners, which is why there's so much yellow going on. On a brief aside to that, there was a big controver controversy, wasn't there, about... The fact that if they if people bought yellow roses for San Jordi, they were having to import them from outside Catalonia, which was kind of like defeating part of, mm. you know, in other words, paying a lot of money for to bring in flowers from outside Catalonia when when it was supposed to be in favour of Catalan the Catalan political prisoners. Well, I think it was a case that they didn't think it through. Yeah, they, no, exactly. The exactly. ANC came out and, and said, and then they came oh, to well, like a happy yeah, medium, didn't no, they? No, they, they had a big meeting in the end yeah, with like, so the Flower Association and with all this. Don't stuff. everybody a, buy yellow rose. Yeah. But it was complete by accident. I think ANC came out and said, wouldn't it be a great idea if we all got yeah. yellow rose? And then yeah. without checking first that there was actually the supply was there, which there isn't. We haven't actually got any yellow roses. But in the end, they, they I think they got round it mostly by um, a lot of people bought one of each. Mm, yeah. But anyway, it worked out in the end. Sorry, Marcella, continue. 
Another big attraction for Thames the Floss appears to be um, Pasenda Padesia, which will be decorated in the colours of Girona's football club, <clears throat> white and red. Celebrating a great season of football. Yeah, that's. I leave that to you. Maybe okay. you can tell us later. Barney's going to fill us in in a minute about the... Uh, about, well, we might as well go to it now. Okay. It seems it's come up there. Can so I just ask a question yeah, first? Because I can't remember how long Thames the Floors is. Is it two weeks or ten days? Well, it, start, it starts on the 12th and it goes on until the 20th. Well, about so. eight days. Yeah, it's, it's like mm. two weekends, isn't it? Exactly. Is that right? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I seem to remember. Am I going to go to Thames the Floors? Do you know how many years I spent battling through the crowds of Thames the Floors to get to work? No, I actually don't. Well, you should do, because I lived here for 10 years in Girona. But I didn't know if you actually went. Well, well this you... picture this picture we have in, in, the, in this You're month... You're not in it. No, I'm not in it, no. <laughs> actually, no, I, I thought I was somewhere else. But basically, I used to walk from the centre of Girona to the university up the hill, or go on my bike, in fact, through the centre of Girona to get to work. During Thames to Floors, I had to add on about 45 minutes to get to work, rather than the usual... 15 minute walk just trying to get through the crowds of yeah, people it's very it's totally crowded, crazy but, but you know there are some um, um, times or hours during the day when it's not that crowded yeah. or, or, but my, my working hours coincided oh, with the I crowded see. hours right well so. I won't ask Neil because I know he but I'm not going to be going this year never no. I, I did yeah, yeah. I used to live in Jerome as well although oh, I only okay. lived here for two years and I mm. think I think I uh, no I definitely I went one year I went but it was a long time ago this was when before you two were born I imagine <laughs> <laughs> but it was an awful long time ago what do you ago. mean he's your age yes I know I'm a little bit older now there's a little bit of seniority a little bit right. <laughs> still okay. pull rank anyway let's move on to the football Girona football club you mentioned there they've had a great season Barney we thought that with it being the May issue and the league coming to an end you could give us a little little bit of a roundup of uh, what's been going on this year? I feel qualified to do that, given that I do write a, an article each month about football in Catalonia today, and I also have the TV programme, The Week in Football, which airs every Tuesday evening at six o'clock, is that right, or five o'clock? Five, five o'clock, yeah. sorry, five o'clock. As in fact, on Tuesday afternoon at five o'clock every week on El Punavui Television, uh, where I have lots of guests who are very knowledgeable about football and La Liga and what's going on here much more knowledgeable than I am but I am able to fill you in a little bit yeah on what's happening towards the end of the season actually before we you move on let's just take a moment to plug the television a little bit because El Punta Bui the group has its own television channel which as Barney says called El Punta Bui Televisio and a section of that is called English Hour where every day there's a different program original program in English Barney does a football program as you mentioned Marcello and myself, for example, do, do an interview program and, and it's, a, it's a great way to practice your English if you're a non-native speaker and, uh, and also a great way to learn more about Catalonia, different aspects of Catalonia. If you, if you are an English speaker, one of the things where we say about that as well is if, you're not, if you can't catch it, people say, oh, I can't find it in my area, I can't get it on, or you're not there at five o'clock on Tuesday, for example, when Barney's program's on, the next day it's up on the website so you can always watch it there. So all you need to do is Google El Punta Bui Televisio and that will take you to the website and you can watch any of these programs. Also, every single program we've ever recorded, which probably for the football isn't quite so relevant, but certainly for the interviews, is is up there too. So you can go back and, and watch interviews from the past. We've had some great, great interviews, some great characters on there that are well worth chasing down. Anyway, sorry, Barney, continue with the uh, with the roundup. Yeah, so if you do that, you need to look for, on, on the Puna, El Puna Wii TV web, website, you look for English Hour, right? That's English Hour, exactly. That's the name of the English section. There's, a, there's yeah. an English program every day, Monday to Friday, 
Okay, so football in Catalonia. Um, obviously, most people talk about Barca. The world, uh, the world talks about Barca. But we're going to let's first of all mention Girona and what a fantastic time they've had the last twelve months. They got promoted last year after years and years of coming close to getting promotion to La Liga, never having been in La Liga. They finally got promotion uh, at the end of last season. They've had their first ever season in La Primera División in, uh, in La Liga, and it's been an, an, a complete, unmitigated success, basically. Recently, they've started to fall away. I mean, they're still in eighth or ninth place in the, in the league, and they've had, four, four, I think, four out of the last seven games they've lost. But until that, they were pushing very strong for a place in Europe next year. They're not going to get that now, then? Um, it's not It's not impossible, but the way they're playing, no. Mm. <laughs> because they've. I think they've run out of steam. It's mm. one of the questions I'm going to ask my, my guests well, today. You just said they had a great uh, season. Yeah, because they, they have been winning a lot of games they weren't expected to even get a point from. They've won a lot of games. They've uh, They beat Real Madrid at home, which was a massive, obviously a massive uh, event here. They even drew. They also drew with Atletico Madrid here at the start of the season here in Montelivi, a game they should have won really. And I think if I'm, I think I'm right in recalling they got a draw away at Atletico Madrid. Um, they've they've had some fantastic results. Yeah, in the last six weeks or so, they've fallen away a little bit, and they probably won't end up in European places. It's not impossible, but there's other teams are above them and in better form at the moment. But it's probably better that they don't, to be honest, because if Girona went into next season playing in European competition. Stretching too much. They just wouldn't have enough resources to do that. And there's a very good chance they would be one of those little teams who played in Europe, got knocked out in the first couple of rounds, and then actually got relegated back down to the second division. So uh, I think it's great that Girona have another season next year in the league, try and consolidate themselves, try and establish themselves as a Primera Liga team. And, you know, congratulations to everybody involved at Girona Football Club for that. And uh, A top 10 finish in your first season is pretty good, isn't it? And it will be a top 10 finish, so it's been, it's been a great effort. What about um, Pablo Martinez? Is he going to stay or leave? Because um, I heard a rumour... It's a very good question. ...saying that he um, could probably go... Well, you've heard... the team. I assume you've heard of the silly season, Marcella, in English newspapers? No, the, I must say I don't know. Well, the silly season is when the Parliament goes on holiday. Mm-hmm. And so there's not enough news to cover, mm-hmm. and so lots of speculative articles mm, appear right, in the news, right, yeah. and it's called the silly season. Right. The silly season in football is pretty much all year round. <laughs> when anybody, when any manager is doing well or doing badly, there is speculation about their job and their mm. future. I see. It's happening a lot with everybody. I see absolutely, personally, I see no reason whatsoever why Pablo Machin would leave Girona. He's done because it. he didn't give a clear he's answer. Not making it, well, he's not making any, well, that might be one reason to think he's got other ideas, but I'm not sure where he would go, to be honest, to, to why he would leave unless he was offered a, a better paid job somewhere, which is very possible. I don't think he's prepared to go and live in another country, so... Why would he go to a, a club in La Liga when he's got Girona who are pushing for really top six the way he's got them playing? So, Well, I, he, we hope he stays because he's done a great job. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely wonderful job. Elsewhere in football, of course, we had like El Clasic, or El Clasico, everybody calls it around the world these days, between Barca and Real Madrid last Sunday. Mm, yeah. Barca have already won the league, so for it was a bit of a, a non-event for a lot of people because it didn't have that element of competition of trying to win the league. Barca are already champions in La Liga and, and well-deserved in the first season under Ernesto Valverde, who, of course, was part of the dream team back in the day. And, um, what about Iniesta, no? 
Yeah, and well, as I was just about to come to that, I was going to mention the classic or first of what happened in that was it was a lot of there were, it's a bit like watching theatre these days when you watch the class. There's so much acting, play acting, and diving around on both sides. It's a bit frustrating as a for an English viewer. We we don't have a lot of patience for that kind of behaviour. Um, but it's always a great watch, and it was a great game, and it was two all, and pretty much had everything. Had a sending off of Sergio Roberto and all sorts of stuff going on. Great drama, great to watch, but but in the end meaningless in terms of a game. Except that it extended Barca's unbeaten run, meaning that they could go the whole season without losing a game in the in the league, which would be quite an achievement for Valverde. And finally, with regard to football, yeah, of course we're about to say goodbye to uh, Andres Iniesta, who's been a great servant of Barca yes. Football Club, and most people would say probably one of the best players they've ever seen play. When I've taken my son to the Camp Nou to watch football, I've said to him, Jack, don't worry about everybody else. Watch those, those little twinkle toes down here on the left. Iniesta is the player you want to observe. and see. Okay, Messi is unbelievable, and you're not going to miss what he does. But keep your eye on Iniesta. He's one hell of a football player. He's a great player to watch. Unfortunately, now he's coming to the end of his career here. He looks like he's going to Japan in the end. He was Everyone thought he was going to China, but he's apparently negotiating with Japanese clubs. Um, well, good luck to him. The, the, the one player that should have won uh, accolades, personal individual accolades, that didn't, because he was never been given one of those, the Ballon d'Or, which is the recognised as the best player of the year. He was never awarded that. And in fact, that shows you why on my, on my programme, every year, whenever that comes up, I refuse to talk about it, because football is a team sport. Mm. I don't believe in individual accolades for that. And, I, mm. and, and that's a very good example of why not. Iniesta was never given that award mm. which is ridiculous yeah, and you yeah, keep yeah, giving it enough. to Ronaldo and, and, and Messi mm. who of course are top class footballers but anyway, still I will miss him yes. even though I'm not a great football fan I met Iniesta once huh? when we were when Catalonia today was in Barcelona mm. and we were working with uh, the guys from uh, mm. Sportiu mm -hmm. and he visited the uh, the newsroom once and okay. what I liked about him is um, back then is that I don't know he seemed very normal no, very um, humble. He's a very person, unassuming very... guy. Very unassuming. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the Lovely most likable things about him, isn't it? Because yeah. you, 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 so many footballers are, come across anyway as arrogant. And but so he's also, he he's also, he's one of the players that when he speaks, people listen to him. So Pep Guardiola always mentioned that some of the words that kept him in football management at the beginning came from Iniesta, saying to him, um, things weren't going very well at Barca, and Iniesta came to his office and said to him. We're doing exactly what we should be doing. Don't don't change anything. And he, Guardiola said, "I was doubting everything I was doing." And Iniesta said that to me. That was it. I didn't mm. didn't change anything after that. And everybody that comes into contact with Iniesta, they listen to him. And they were showing a couple of weeks ago in Rome. I don't know if you saw this when Barca went out of the Champions League in no, Rome. I haven't. There was this brilliant clip of the tunnel at half time, where the Barca fan, Barca, Barca players are coming out for, for the second half, and Iniesta is saying to the players around him. We're going out here. We're going out of this Champions League if we don't start playing football. And he was right. They went. They got knocked out because they didn't pull together as a team and play well. Anyway, at the risk of going on for hours and hours, I should just mention before we leave football, Espanol, Espanol mm -hmm. and the fact that since they got rid of their manager, uh, Quique Sanchez Flores, uh, three games ago, they've won two and drawn one, including winning 2-0 at the being the first team to win in the league in Atletico Madrid this season. Although it must be said, Atletico Madrid are looking forward to a European final and didn't play a full team for that game. But Espanyol are a completely different team now that their manager has left. 
things weren't right under Kiko Sanchez Flores. He obviously he didn't he, he was said a few things that he shouldn't have said hmm. throughout the season that kind of brought the mood down in the camp. Clearly his tactics were very negative. The team scored something like thirteen goals in twenty games or something mm. ridiculous. It was all very depressing for Espanol fans. I think they're looking forward to see what the next move is now. But unfortunately for them, they have Chinese owners at a time when the Chinese government has now banned all Chinese companies from investing abroad. So that that's not what they were expecting when the Chinese took over last year. But they don't have the Chinese. Yeah. What's the uh, It's something to do about investing domestically. I don't know. But but when when the Chinese this Chinese consortium took over Espanol last summer, there was guarded optimism that they were going to start splashing the cash. Far from it. And unfortunately, now they can't even splash the cash. So it's, it's a big question mark over what's going to happen at Espanol. Mm. There is talk that they might get in the pre, the ex-Girona manager, Ruby, who's at Wesco at the moment. He hasn't got a great track record in terms of mm. honours or anything. So I don't know if that would be a good move or not. Mm. But clearly, they've got, to, they've got to think small because they haven't got the resources to do anything else. Yeah, well, they're a good example, I think, of, of people think, oh, just because foreign owners buy them, that it's all going to be plain sailing after that, and it's clearly not the case. My team, Everton, I think, are showing that this season, that just because you've got somebody with a lot of money who comes into the club, it's not as simple as just flashing the cash and everything's going to be fine. No, but, uh, Everton's, you know, was, Everton spent a lot of money and didn't get uh, anything for their stupid return. Stupid amount of money. Mm. And, and Well, they did what Tottenham did a few years ago, where they went mad, spending money like mad, and then... How many Didn't of those work. players came good? Didn't I mean, work. maybe one of them is yeah. still there or something. I don't know. Didn't work. Anyway, let's not talk about Everton. We'll save that for the Everton podcast later. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> let's talk about the uh, thank you for that roundup. Let's talk a little bit about the May issue of the magazine, which is out at the moment. It's the May issue of the magazine, and coincidentally, uh, it's the 50th anniversary of the May 1968 events in Paris. Marcella, tell us what they were, just in case there's somebody who doesn't know. Well, actually, and first we need to mention that this is a, a feature signed by uh, Parabosque uh, for Presencia. And we, um, we didn't uh, publish the whole, uh, if you want to read the whole feature in Catalan, Check, uh, check, the, um, check out the last Presencia, the last issue of Presencia. Presencia being El Punabui. Exactly. Uh, was that, was that uh, su- su- Sunday supplement. Was yes. it March? Was it the March issue? No, it was uh, the May issue. It came out oh, the same, oh, it was out the same, issue. Yes, the same day as ours came out, didn't it? Uh, oh, I, I thought it had already... Okay. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have Presencia anymore, but now we have La Repubblica, mm-hmm. which is the new... Uh, supplement of Alpun Avui. It come out. It comes out on Saturdays and Sundays. Exactly. We mentioned that last time. If, if anyone was listening to that one as well, know that the, mm. the, yeah, that the, the Republica is a new supplement instead of, for example, Presencia and Cultura and the other supplements that they've had up until now. So, what it, tell us a little bit about this well, feature then? Well, it's um, basically fifty years uh, since the revolts uh, uh, in Paris in '68. We basically describe what what happened back then, how the this movement, because it was a huge uh, social movement, uh, started in in Paris, and why it is one of the most um, important historic uh, moments in the 20th century, and how it has influenced no, the whole century, mm-hmm. and the, even now, no, it's um, it has a lot of uh, consequences. Well, it's an interesting comparison, I think, and, there's an, and automatically, and again, the, what I thought when I saw it was the comparison with, um, you know, what's going on in Catalonia today with, with sort of, you know, there's, there's they're very different approaches. Mm. 
to to uh, to a political problem. But it it shows you that the uh, that it never the people sort of being unsatisfied, dissatisfied with their lot and wanting to protest and having the right to do that and and then you know causing trouble for governments and blah 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 all of the things that that represented that's far from over today it's maybe the methods are different and the objectives might be different and so on but it's still very much the the spirit of of 68 is still alive well it shows in if you by making a comparison it does show anybody who who wishes to make that comparison just how peaceful the Catalan independence movement has been and the protests have been with, you know, absolutely zero antagonism on the side of the protesters uh, uh, protesting about the situation in Catalonia over the last five years, where all mass demonstrations have been peaceful and, you know, and, in, in the best possible spirit. So if you want to compare those you know, two types of protest, there's, there's, there's a stark difference, isn't there, in that sense? Absolutely. And I think another thing is it just shows you you've got two, as you say, two radically different approaches. The Catalan approach, which has been entirely peaceful to the point where it's almost unbelievable. And then you've got, well, for example, the May 68 thing in this feature, it opens with an amazing photograph of a street where there's just wrecked cars. It looks like a, a scene from the last days of Berlin in the Second World War or something. It's yeah. just a, it's just a road strewn with, yeah. with cars that have been overturned and burnt out and all of this sort of thing. And it, Yeah, exactly. It looks like a war zone. There are um, some great photos in that feature. There are some great photos from that, yeah. The point I wanted to make, though, was there's two very radical approaches to, to that, but just how difficult it is to unseat the, the state mm. because in Catalonia it's proving to be very, very difficult to achieve the political objectives but also uh, taking a different approach, a very much a violent approach, uh, and, and defying the state sort of physically, like they did in 68, they didn't achieve their aims either. No, so, they so were it's, repressed as it's well. Not, exactly. It's not easy. So it just shows you how difficult it is to make major change, like change a government or to change the way a uh, political system or whatever, just how, uh, what a difficult thing it is to do. No? And, uh, and the, the most likely thing is that, uh, that it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't happen. Good. But anyway, um, it's still inspiring and it's still a reference point for, for many people today. Mm, the slogans um, have remained in history. I particularly like this one, be realistic, demand the impossible, which um, I think is, is very valid for what's happening in Catalonia at the mm. moment. I thought your editorial was very poignant, Mars, uh, and drawing the, the comparison there, nicely put. Oh, yes, thank you very mm. much. Good. And also, it's good you mentioned the slogan as well, because these often these, these social uh, movements, they accompany with their own sort of aesthetic, no? So we were talking before about the yellow flowers and all that. I mean, that this, the Catalan process has got its own aesthetic, its own, its own sort of feel, its own artistic look to it and so on. Um, and, and then, of course, May 68 had a really great sort of... Those posters inspired by sort of like communist and anarchist movements and so the on. The students and, took um, over the, 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 the place, didn't they? Yeah, where yeah. they took over, where they made took, the posters. They took over the university, they took mm. over certain certain areas, um, the stadiums and things like that. No, it's a fascinating read. You learn, you know, even, even those of us who knew about the 68, you know, revolts, uh, there was plenty of new stuff in there that I didn't know about, which mm. was I thought was great, very interesting. Another thing we've got in the May issue which just wanted to quickly mention was that and it touches our 
operation that we have here very closely. You know, the, the idea of a third language in Catalonia, we've got the two co-official languages, Catalan and Spanish, but most uh, Catalan governments uh, in, in, in sort of recent memory have all pretty much signed up to the idea of a third language, which doesn't have to be English, but in most cases is, and encouraging that among young people so that people finish school and university with um, a high level in another language, preferably English in most cases. For example, just recently there was some legislation was postponed whereby it was going to be obligatory for university students starting their university degrees this year to have uh, a B2 level of English, which is a sort of good level, fairly good level to be able to talk. It means you doesn't it mean that you can you can talk to native speakers well, if you've got a B2 level or something like that? It's upper intermediate pre-advanced Okay, level. so it's a but, Yeah, it means you, commun- you can communicate, yeah. Exactly, and the, re- the initial plan... You, the initial you're, about, you're about a B2, Neil. Yeah, that's it, in, in English, yeah. Scousers, <laughs> there's all, some of them have reached that high level. Uh, no, but the idea was they've had to put that off now, they've postponed it, but the idea was that the intake of university students this year, when they finish their degrees in three or four years' time, it will be obligatory to have passed at that level or you couldn't get your pick up your degree. I'm guessing they realised it was unrealistic. I think so. I think there was a number of problems also with the political situation at the moment and also because of various other things. But the point being, though, that there's very strong desire, aspiration, commitment among the authorities to, to make this stick, to make it to make sure that Catalan people, when they finish school and university, finish their education, they've got a good level of English because they take it importantly. Now, that's why Catalonia today exists as a project, as a magazine, that's what we're doing. Why do El Punabui have this magazine as part of their suite of publications? It's because there's that commitment to the third language, that commitment to, to it. So it's very important. Now, it's a subject we cover a lot, and we've covered it in lots of different aspects. This time we've got an interview with a linguistics expert, which is very interesting, because um, she, she explains exactly how we learn languages. She also debunks some myths about languages. And then there's also a feature about a government program being run in certain secondary schools, uh, called Abansem. I wanted to get Barney's opinion on this with him being a uh, someone who works in the language sector, language learning sector. This this particular uh, program is more about, it's not so much about new materials or, or methodologies or whatever, it's more about focused at organizing language departments and language teachers so that they're much more integrated, that they work together much more closely, so that your Catalan, your Spanish, and your English teacher are all on the same page and all working together. To, and, and so well, on. it what might, you, it, well, it might not, I mean, I'm, I'm a language coach now, which means some, which is sort of in a different, different, there's a different sphere really of language learning. But what I was is a, an English coach? Pardon? What is a, a language coach? A language coach deals with people uh, individually on a one-to-one basis and, and helps them realise their potential in terms of language and makes them, makes them ask, ask questions and answer questions about their own ability with language, challenges them to, to be better with language rather than just teaching language, which would be a language teacher. So you give lots of strategies and tools for improving your communication. Uh, you might not be very good at language in your own, in your own language, in your L1, in your first language that needs to be addressed. If you, you can't expect to speak English very well if you don't speak Spanish or Catalan very well or French or whatever language, right? So a language coach helps you, basically coaches you on a one-to-one level to improve your communication by looking at your strengths and improving them and, and working on how to communicate better. I see. Um, um, can I ask you a question? Yeah, go on. About language. You just, I just noticed during this conversation that um, we use write a lot. You just said yeah. I said something, right? Yeah. And we use it a lot. We uh, shouldn't we shouldn't we be using tag questions? No, of course not. 
Why not? Well, well, we we do, but we don't. I mean, we, there's no right sure about is, language. Is, is there? It's correct to say right instead of absolutely. using tech questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I and, guess the and, thing and, is not to overuse the same one too much. But, but that's a, that's a good example of if I was your language co coach, Marcella, I yes. was I would tell you to think the opposite. The first thing about tag questions in English is they're incredibly complex, incredibly complex in terms of pronunciation. Because you might think you know how to how to how to use tag well, questions. Well, I know the theory. Yes. You might know the theory well, of I the grammar, it. but do you know I, the theory know the of the pronunciation? So first of all, you've got to get the grammar of them right, which most people find very challenging. That's just the grammar side of it. But actually, if you use a rising or a falling intonation with a tag question, you can sound sarcastic, ironic. You can sound it's a real question or it's not a real question. You can mm -hmm. go into a whole, you can go into whole, uh, you know, reams of explanations about tag questions that really you don't need to if you just ask the question right. <laughs> So if I was your language yes. coach, I would say, use right. But what you want to avoid, right. though, is throwing no on the end, like Move, they do in right. Spanish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that. That they sounds, do that too. That sounds lazy. But I, I, do, I, I noticed do that. that with are, native who, who uh, English English uh, yeah. Yeah. speakers. But that's yeah. because they lived here. Because they lived here. That's interference. That's um, because it's Spanglish. But it's like, no, used by English speakers. But that's got a name. That's called... Spanglish. Well, yeah, but it's also called... I can't remember the name of it now, cross-coding or something. But, right. the, but the point is you're trying to integrate. So the reason you're saying no is because you're, you're, you're actually integrating between your language and, and somebody else's language. It's actually a way of trying you know, to... The worst is like, see no, like yes, no. Mm. Right, but it's, you're, try, you're trying to communicate right. more... Right, more, <laughs> more, again. More, you're trying to communicate more clearly with the person who you're, you're talking to. But, of course, yeah, if you want to speak uh, English well, you, then you shouldn't be saying no at the end of the sentence. But you can quite easily say, right, that's absolutely fine. It is a tag question. It's a, mm. And, it, and you can say right to check comprehension, or you can say right just as a, a not expecting an answer. And that's the whole point about tag questions, is they have different purposes. But anyway, I'm, right. a, bit, I'm a bit short of time, so I'm going to have to be very quickly answer Neil's question before I get off. Yeah. Uh, when I was a language teacher at university, um, I thought it was absolutely fundamental that departments work together, because you say it's not about methodology, but in a way it is, because... You can, you can share each other's methodologies and each other's materials even. I mean, you can take um, the, the stuff that the Catalan teachers are using. Mm. Uh, you, you could, as an English teacher, you can get an idea for using that in your own class. And teaching language is all about the materials. Yeah. It's all well, about I don't, motivating I don't, Maybe I didn't explain very well, oh. because they, they, it, you're right. I mean, the, it is true. This, this program comes... The government pr provides materials for the teachers, right. and part of that integration and, and working together is about sh sharing right. teaching ideas and so on. Yes, the main focus is getting the teachers in the de language departments working together on sharing material or on on providing. Well, lesson plans well the main thing I'll leave you with this thought, right? Yeah. Which is that teaching is one of the most demanding jobs you can ever find, especially teaching children, which is what we're talking about here. The more support you get in terms of sharing resources and ideas and methodologies, the better. So it has to be a good idea, yeah. in my view. And now I've got to go. Okay, well, thanks, thanks for, for coming, Barney. Barney's got to go off and do his television programme. It's not that he it's, wants uh, to, to leave us just like that, <laughs> right, without any explanation right. at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's programme. Some of us have, have media, media... Media commitments and commitments, stuff. Yes. Okay, well, you've got to sign a bunch of all things before you go in, so you need the time. Well, See thanks, anyway. Time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank God he's gone. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, well, we've done we've done a fair amount already, but I just thought maybe what we could do to finish off is is look ahead to the June issue a little bit, give people a heads up on that. 
I'm just, to be honest with you, I'm just super happy that we managed to actually record a podcast. We've been trying so hard, uh, but it's been complicated. But anyway, I was just pleased that we're actually getting something out there. But let's talk about the June issue, yeah? So tell us what, what's coming up for the June, what we're working on at the moment. Well, as you know, we um, are doing this feature about mega cities <clears throat> and a uh, longer feature about gastronomy, interviews with chefs, articles about the new trends in um, gastronomy and, um, and in fact just today I, I translated an article uh, a, a, an interview sorry uh, with a flex uh, person flexitarian a, a flexitarian restaurant now I didn't know what a flexitarian was until I looked it up but it's basically it's uh, an interesting term it is an interesting term it's also I got a feeling that it, a flexitarian according according to the person in the interview whose name I can't remember right now Barry Geordie Barry well it's from flex uh, and kale Flex and Kale is the name of, yes, they, the they've company. got six restaurants. The company's got six restaurants. And what they do is they offer, basically, flexitarian is like a, a basically vegetarian with a little bit of meat and a little bit of fish. Mm-hmm. And of that Which meat and like fish. Which is like a flexible fle- Exactly. Diet, vegetarian, right? that's flexible. So for health reasons, it, it's good to have some oily fish. It's good to, have, to eat a little bit of meat without overdoing it. And so, so what they do in their restaurants is they sit basically vegetarian food with a little bit of meat and a little bit of fish in there. And that's the, the idea. It's basically, as all these things came originally from the from United States, he was explaining. Um, but it seems to me to be like the... Uh, the way to eat, really. And he was saying that there's an awful lot of people who are flexitarians and they don't even know it these days, you know, that they basically are, are eating like that already and they just wouldn't even know that, that they are a flexitarian. So, in fact, there's a few interviews. No, there's, is there another interview with, we've got an interview with Jordi Rocker as well, no, I believe? Yeah, he talks about um, how he started uh, in, um, uh, in pastry. He wasn't originally going to... Uh, to, to be a, a chef like his um, brothers, but eventually he he met um, someone called uh, Daniel also, mm-hmm. who is a chocolatier, someone who is specialized in chocolate making, and apparently um, that uh, encounter changed his life and also his um, his career. Jordi Rocker, in case again, as somebody who's been living under a rock, is one of the three Rocker brothers who have that famous restaurant El Celia. The- Canroca in, in Girona and uh, and also the what's the name of his ice cream shop? Um, Rocambules. Okay, okay. Rocambules. And, and, Jordi, and now they're Jordi's going to that. open mm-hmm. a new place in uh, the center of Girona in Plaza Catalunya called Casa Cacao. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is like a chocolate um, workshop thing. Uh, and a hotel. And a hotel. Well. Yeah, that's right. A boutique hotel. No, it's going to be yes. as well. Yeah, no, they're very dynamic, those people. They never stop doing stuff. And, and uh, then we've also got uh, an interview with a nutritionist, I think, in there. Is that correct? Yeah, with Monza Folk. Okay. She talks about healthy eating, basically. Um, and we'll be doing some focuses on different aspects of food and gastronomy. We'll talk and about bread. We'll mm. talk about um, vegetarian diet and many other details and, and things that you're going to find out about in our next podcast exactly in the next podcast we will do that whatever happens and we'll be talking in more detail about that okay well we will tie things up now a little bit may podcast did it fantastic cross that off the list let's see if we can keep it up and hopefully be here in four weeks time maybe not with barney maybe with somebody more interesting that's only a show but um anyway uh let's see if we can keep keep up the rhythm and, and get these podcasts out and and serve the people people the people need to know they, have a, they deserve to know. Well, thanks for coming anyway, Marcella. Well, thank you for having me. And we'll, uh, we'll talk next month.